0: The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at KeithMedleyMusic.com December 23rd, 2016 Today's episode, Pheasants and Grouse In rural South Dakota, it is nearly as common to have a grouse or a pheasant splattered on one's grill or, heaven forbid, one's windshield, as it is in most places to have the same encounters with bugs. The grouse and pheasant in South Dakota, which by the way are the only ones that I can speak about with any authority, seem to be, shall we say, somewhat dimwitted. Now, I don't say this with an air of condescension, but rather a fact deduced by many opportunities to study them in the wild. And when I say that I study them in the wild, I don't mean that I actually go out and sit under trees and sit in fields with binoculars and notebooks and other paraphernalia and watch these birds endlessly day after day, but rather... It is my observations as I'm driving the highways and byways of South Dakota and seeing the pheasants and the grouse in the fields and especially on the sides of the road. Now my most recent and probably most informative observation is from a grouse that I, shall we say, came in contact with a few days ago while I was driving north on South Dakota Highway 63 and I was traveling at about 72 miles an hour and I saw ahead of me, probably about 60 yards, 70 yards, a grouse that entered the highway from the left side and decided to casually walk across to the right side. He took one step and then one step and one step, and meanwhile, traveling at 72 miles an hour, I began to close in on his position quite rapidly. Now, as I got even closer, I thought, surely he's either going to turn around or take flight but in both assumptions, I was completely incorrect. Now, as I got closer, I thought, okay, I have a decision to make. I cannot slow down, I cannot swerve to miss this bird. The best that I can do is to move and reposition the expedition considering that it has high ground clearance, so that when I pass the bird's position, I will actually roll over it, putting the bird in between all four wheels, and at 72 miles an hour, I will pass over it much quicker than it makes distance from its left to its right to get in the way of any of my wheels. But sure enough, as I got just to the bird's position, within a few feet of the bird's position, the bird decided to take flight. Now, at this speed that I'm traveling versus the speed that the grouse is not traveling, it was unlikely that it was going to get altitude to clear the expedition in time. And sure enough, that assumption on my part was proven to be right. Almost as soon as the grouse took flight, there was a very loud thump, which was the sound of the grouse making contact like a cannonball being fired from a cannon into my grill. And somehow, once it made contact with the grill, it, or momentum I should say, took it around to the right side of my vehicle and then off to the side of the road where it laid motionless, presumably dead. I wanted to stop. I wanted to go back and look, but I couldn't because there were two vehicles Behind me, which is almost unheard of in rural South Dakota. For the pheasants, however, they tend to remain on the edge of the road in large groups and then perform one of two acts. Either they take off running across the path of the approaching vehicle in mass, not just one, but several like lemmings to the sea, or they remain hidden just off the road's edge, generally in the tall grass where they are obscured. Then they take off in flight, again in mass, but this time they gain just enough altitude to be in line with the windshield of the passing vehicle. Again, keep in mind the previous analogy of a cannonball being fired from a cannon. Earlier today, as I was driving back from an errand to the post office in Eagle Butte, I saw a pheasant lying dead on the side of the road. I felt compelled to stop, but I wasn't sure why. Regardless, I turned the expedition around, which is no small undertaking on the back roads with snowdrifts piled high on both sides. Now facing the opposite direction, I returned to where the dead pheasant laid. When I picked it up to move it, it was obvious that it had just been killed. Its body was still limp from lack of rigor mortis or even the freezing temperatures having set in. But as I held this bird, this lifeless body in my hands, I was struck by the overwhelming beauty, the colors and the iridescent qualities of some of these colors, and just the overall beauty of this creature. And I knew then that I wanted to photograph, I needed to photograph these colors, these details, this beauty of pure nature and try to preserve that aspect of it, at least, for immortality. As I finished photographing the bird, I knew that I wanted to throw it further into the bush to keep it away from the edge of the road so that predators that would be needing this bird's body for food would be able to access it without danger of being hit by passing cars. And as I picked it up again by its feet... I was drawn. I was led to remove some of its tail feathers. I wasn't sure why. I assumed it was as a talisman or something, and I did, yet I felt awkward. I felt as if I were violating this creature, yet this creature was gone. It had left its body already, and its body was now just a remnant of what was, but still the uneasiness stayed with me for a while. The In Search of America podcast, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. Music by Keith Medley at KeithMedleyMusic.com.